Welcome to Witch Yes, a podcast for casual conjurings, witches in training, and the end of 2020. God bless. I'm Alicia Herter. God bless. I'm Tara Keck. On today's episode, the father of Wicca himself, Gerald Gardner, which is in the news and the Yuletide uses for pine. The tree. Let's roll into it. What is our Apple Podcast review? The last Apple Podcast review of 2020. Hold on, I gotta remember my lock-in screen. Okay, 420, 420, blaze it. So that's why I don't have one. Oh, you just like I freeball it. Yeah. Oh, anyone could get in on anyone your notes? could get it. But it's like I'm an open book. Wink. You can just do it. I think it's Aww. you who should be judged if you're looking through my phone, not me being judged for not having a lock screen. That's true. Yeah. Don't teach women not to get raped. Teach men not to rape. Yeah. That's the energy. Exactly. We're not victim blaming, but. But. Well, no, still not victim blaming. But in addition to not doing that, we are also doing this other thing, which has to do with big, lazy hippie. Yes. Who wrote an Apple podcast review. This is what it says. It says, clowns are bad. You're right. These are. Hello! The facts of life. Wake up, America! We are here. They also say clown emoji, X out emoji. Okay. Swirling star, which oh. I think is a spell. And maybe I have cursed all of you, and I'm sorry. Yeah, is that some tech witch shit? What is that? And then everybody transforms into a clown. Transforms into a clown. And then we enter an it situation Ooh, where bad. everyone gets sucked into the sewers. Everyone? Everyone that is listening to this. And then, like, Hocus Pocus, they must eat children. Did you hear that the whole thing of It was that it only came after children, like people who didn't have sex specifically, like only virgins? Apparently that's supposed to be a thing in like It 2 or the second It book or something. I don't know. Guys, I didn't read this. I'm just telling you what I heard, which might be a spoiler. (laughs) It's the whole series. Yeah, it's about like the climax is like, oh shit, we just got to have everyone have sex with each other. I actually think that's what happened though. It's like some weird kid orgy, which is definitely not good. What? Yeah. Okay. We can cut this if I'm wrong. We can look it up later. No, no, no. I think that even the idea that this would happen is news. So it's anti, what's it called? Abstinence. Anti-abstinence. Anti-abstinence. Pro-healthy sex. So it is actually very sex positive. (laughs) Use a condom. Use a condom. Get checked regularly. No Don't means get no. that STD. STD not for me, please. <laughs> anyway, I just want to thank and also maybe apologize to who? What was it? Who are you? Lazy hippie. Big lazy hippie. Big lazy hippie. And I don't know if that was the reward you were hoping for, but we thought we would finish out strong <laughs> for season two. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Leave them with a bang. <laughs> but as you know, so... At the beginning of every episode, Alicia and I pick a Apple podcast review at the top of the show and we read it to you guys. And then that could be you. That could be you. And we love that. And we'll probably carry that on into 2021. Probably. If I have anything to say about it. Yeah. Unless you send us a lot of hate mail that's like, fuck that section. I skip through it all the time. And then our feelings will be hurt. But yeah, we might take it into consideration. Maybe, <laughs> but maybe not out of spite. <laughs> We're a little and spiteful. Small, spiteful, salty, and sweet. Ooh. 
We're like trail mix. We are trail mix. <laughs> I'm the M&Ms. Whoop, whoop. No, I'm just kidding. I'm the raisin. But this is the end of season two, Alicia. That's so exciting. Yeah. So we're going to have a survey in the show notes at the bottom of your podcast. If you just go, oh, oh my God, there's a survey link there. Click that. We're going to just try to get your vibe for what you want to hear in season three. We might take your idea. We might not. We're wily women. <laughs> With zero agendas right now. (laughs) (laughs) So 2021, let's have some fun, baby. Let's do it. Well, I thought it would be fun if we just reminisced about season two and the things that we thought were good and the things we thought were bad and the laughs and the cries, the tragedies and the comedies. Okay. Okay. Let me get to the top. Just frantically scrolling. I make a podcast shit. (laughs) So... It's pretty funny and ironic to me that we started the season with crystal balls when we had no idea what the fuck this year was going to look like. <laughs> I think we guessed it was a shit show, and we, but we had no idea the extent. It was truly groundbreaking. It was, yeah. It's kind of funny, like any kind of divinatory practice right now, trying to get any kind of leap on anything that's coming up when the universe is really just like a sleight of hand, whoopsie. Yep. I got a coin behind you. You're just kidding. It's a snake. Ah! Yeah, I've actually stopped listening to like astrology podcasts because they were not helpful and kind of just stirring those uh, panic emotions that I have. And I didn't need that in my life anymore, regardless of the good it meant to do. There's only a certain amount of uh, preparation and inward looking one can do when the world is on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Seems a little uh, selfish of me to be introspective about my childhood traumas when people are dying in the streets. (laughs) Literally. Yeah, yeah. We also had that very sexy February episode about sex magic. That was uncomfortable. Was it uncomfortable about the sex or was it uncomfortable because I announced at the beginning of the show that my dad died? (laughs) Oh, Actually, that might have been the next one. We might have already recorded that. Still. (laughs) I think we had already recorded that, actually. I think he died in the next episode. He didn't die in it. He, he didn't die like, during. He's not stuck in the podcast because that's wild. <laughs> he did enjoy our podcast, though, while he, he was did. alive, which was very sweet. He did. He um, left us a very charming review. Yeah. He wanted to fight someone else who left a mean review. And that's pretty like paternal. Like, I appreciate that. Yeah. The brand did not need it, <laughs> but I definitely appreciated it. I saw where it was coming from and it was coming from the good place. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like the cum cake. The cum cake was fucking gross. <laughs> that's disgusting. With the minstrel blood. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was like a very nice listener asked, hey, is this a thing? I think it is. Will you cover it? And we were like, Yes, and let us hurt you, your family, your boyfriend. (laughs) We called it a very sexy episode. It was the most unsexy episode. (laughs) I know two people that were like, I'm really sorry I had to turn it off. That's fine. Good for them. (laughs) I would have kept listening out of like fascination, awe, and disgust, and then judged us for even talking about it. What was your, if you remember anything in the fever dream that was the last year, what was your favorite thing that you learned? Or a surprising thing or like favorite topic that we covered? I actually loved 
talking about the houses of astrology because oh, yeah. it had those huge maps and I'm just like this doesn't make sense <laughs> and then I finally kind of cracked it and I was like wait a second these are lining up and it was just like when you finally figure out that big math problem I was just on the wall with the chalk just trying to figure it out yes 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 so I felt very proud after that and I felt like we put a lot of research into that probably more research than actually like anything we got out of it yeah I felt like that was such an informative episode though yeah because it's really not something that's easily accessible like people don't really talk about it like usually I feel like once you get into the houses it just becomes too much math for me they're like degrees Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and I'm like I think that maybe I will just be a Scorpio Sun, moon, rising. That's all I need, right? Right. That's all I need for my OkCupid. Yeah. I don't need the intricacies of my life. I'll just figure it out on this wild ride. (laughs) What was your favorite? Well, my least favorite was Glamours and Illusions because I thought it was going to be so much cooler than it was. And it was like put on some red lipstick toots and call it a day. It was a little bit of that. And it was also that there just wasn't a lot of good sources for that. Mm -hmm. And so... On some level, it's like, oh, I want to research this more and, like, really put together something solid. I can't do that in a week. (laughs) I work 40 hours. I don't have time. That is true. And it's also like, okay, let's put out a Glamour's episode in May where no one is seeing anyone. Yeah, the Glamour's part was, oh, I'm listening to this in my sweatpants. Which are charmed. Which are charmed. I mean, they're so comfy. They're good for all the extra weight I've gained. I haven't had to buy new sweatpants. I mean, I am appreciating the ratio of hip to boob these days because the boobs are very small and the hips are very large and I look like a bowling pin. (laughs) Knock me down. You just flop right back up. Yes, I'm a weeble wobble. You can't knock me down. What else? I thought animism was a a fun episode. You did? I thought it was kind of boring. Really? Yeah. I thought it was interesting because it was like the thing that everyone, all cultures do it to some degree. And the idea of living in like a peewee's playhouse and having to like (laughs) apologize to a leaf for stepping on it. See, that was just too stressful for me. (laughs) Oh, that's why. That whole episode was like a giant stress dream for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, these chairs hate my ass. They're making fun of me. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but sometimes... I'm lactose intolerant and these chairs know and I am not apologizing as much as I should be. I did love the um, familiars episode where we saw everyone's like pets. That was so cute. That was so adorable. Yeah. I love seeing like the listeners witchcraft and then like their little animals or their altars. That was also Mm -hmm. a really cool one to see what everyone's altar looked like. And I just love that kind of like interaction that we can have with them because it's still coronavirus quarantine time, but you can still kind of connect to people. Yeah. You can meet new people. That is like crazy to me. Yeah. Also, how diverse everyone's different practices are. Like we have people from all over the world that like practice all kinds of different stuff and it was really like exciting and and surprising. Yeah. And we have several people in Norway who missed our anniversary because it was fucking 3 a.m. their time. Oh. And a few were like, I'll set my alarm. And then they were like, I didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I was like, oh, sleepy heads. Yes. I think the season two is way better than season one. (laughs) I think it's more interesting. I think we got it down. We knew what we were doing. Our chemistry on fire as it has always been, but I think we're definitely more confident. Yeah. And um, and I'm really excited to really ruin it in season three. (laughs) 
I'm really excited to just run it into the ground. I love that. Together. Forever. All for one and one for all, baby. (laughs) So our topic today is Gerald Gardner, who is an important man, who I was very much ready to make fun of and rip a new one. And it turns out, while a little strange... He kind of seemed just like a man that was very excited. (laughs) He was so excited. He might not have been all the way there, Mm -hmm. but his enthusiasm was off the charts. He was just very interested in all things, inquisitive, curious, and seemed like someone that would talk to the person behind them in a checkout line. Yeah. Whether or not that person in the checkout line was giving the signals that they're open for conversation. Totally. Yeah, just like far too confident in his communication style yeah could easily have been a member of jersey shore yeah actually yeah that makes sense anyways who is this guy why should we care about him why are we talking about a grandpa <laughs> i hate old men grandpa gerald gardner oh grandpa gardner so gerald gardner he created gardnerian wicca Ooh. which is the religious version of all this fucking witchy shit that we're doing. That's crazy. So, little Gerald. Aw, little Gerald. Less crazy. Small. Small. Pathetic, as you'll learn. So, uh, Gerald Gardner was born to an upper middle class family in a rich suburb. Of course he was. Liverpool, of course. Anyone of worth at that time was rich. Anyone we know about, basically. Was rich. So, he was born Friday, June 13th, 1884. Friday the 13th. Exactly. And it also makes him a Gemini, which gives him that Kanye energy. Yeah. Like most little rich boys, he survived infancy. That's good. Due to most likely... Money. Medical benefits. Oh. Money. <laughs> Money. Servants. Yes. He had four little servants pulling him out from the womb. Love it. But he grew up to be pretty sickly. So he's a sickly little kid who's nursed by an Irish nanny they called Calm, even though that wasn't her name. And her name was actually Josephine. So the first time I like glanced over this, I thought the name was Corn. <laughs> They just called her corn, and I was like, yo, like, that's rude. I would be so angry. (laughs) I'm still angry about this one. Calm. Okay. So, surely spurred on by the dreadful nickname, corn. (laughs) (laughs) Josephine looks at sniffling little asthmatic Gerald and was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Oh, oh, sorry. Oi, go get the fuck out of here. Oh, that's good. Okay, okay. So she goes to Gerald's father, and she's like, oi, I got an idea. I'm not going to do this. No, okay. We're we're in it. We're in it. Oi, I got an idea for your wheezing son, Jerry. Lancaster winters are too harsh for his little lungs, and I think a warmer climate where he could, guys, is awful. He could get fresh. Are you British or do you have a Boston accent? <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, I'll find it. I'm going to live in it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to live in it. Okay, I'm, my name is Jerry. Hello, my name is, no, she's Irish, though. What is Irish? I don't know. Pip, pip. No. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, so she's like, I think the warmer climate where he's going to get more fresh air and lots of sun is going to be so good for him. And Papa Gardner is like, I have a son. (laughs) (laughs) Basically just gives her the pin to his credit card or whatever like the 1800s equivalent is because she... The checkbook. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. A little checkbook. Mm Mm-hmm. We had to like write checks in class Mm -hmm. and they were like, you have to know this. You will use this every day of your life when you're an adult. What the fuck? And you learned that in high school, right? High school and middle school. And middle school. So we're not in the 90s anymore. No, we were in the thousands. What the hell? These teachers didn't know anything. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Anyways, you can continue. I just thought that was an interesting aside. What is a checkbook? What is a fax? I don't know. What's the deal with checkbooks? Ah! So she takes him to the Mediterranean. Oh, okay. So Fancy Gerald. Gerald and Calm, they hop around for a while. First they go to Nice, France, and then they head to the Canary Islands, Ghana, and Madeira, where he would spend about nine years only heading back to Liverpool during the summer, like on oh, when holiday. It's warm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to Liverpool on holiday. So now your girl Josephine, she's like, hey, 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 my plan is worked. Love it. Good for you. So our girl Josephine, mm-hmm. she's like rubbing her little hands, her little Irish hands together. Love it. Calloused. Great. Calloused. Potato flakes um, underneath her fingernails. Mm, delicious. She's just like had it made. She's spending some other man's money. She's living on an island. And apparently Josephine took this as an opportunity to hit up the clubs and kiss dashing young men, yeah. leaving Gerald alone a lot. Okay. But to be fair, to be fair for Josephine, I'm sure the clubs are awesome. I'm sure the men are way more attractive. And if Gerald's parents already don't want to spend time with him, why does Josephine have to do it? Yeah, maybe he stinks. Like physically. Maybe he's mean. He might be mean. He's wheezing. It's yeah, kind of gross. Yeah, that's kind of gross. Maybe he doesn't. He's rich, so he doesn't like blow his own nose. Ugh, disgusting. Like me. I'm sure there are other servants, too. Like, they have to have a cook. That's true. I assumed it was them alone, but maybe they had an entourage. Yeah, I'm sure there's an entourage. That's interesting. All right, so what happens if you leave a young man alone long enough? What kind of business does he get up to? Dirty socks. Hard, dirty socks. Towels, blankets, everything. Everything. And and as you would guess, he would also become interested in Napoleonic War era weapons. Oh, yes. Okay, sure. Also, he never went to school. Yeah. So it's just weapons and whatever island life is like in Macronesia. Great. And I don't know if this is like Josephine's fault or his parents just literally forgot about him, which it seems they do while he's away. Must have been nice to be a parent at that point. Parents now, they're stuck with their children. You can't get rid of them. You can't. They can't go to schools. Yeah. But he taught himself how to read and then kind of how to write. But if you read any of Gerald Gardner's writings, everything is spelled horrifically. Love it. So it's kind of like a fun puzzle or quiz, like a Mad Lib, but with nonsense words. He's the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) (laughs) It's just witchcraft. I didn't mean to kill those people. (laughs) I derailed massively on that one. (laughs) No, it's so good. But also in the 1800s, it really doesn't matter, you know, how educated you are. It really only mattered what kind of money you had. And if it was old money, basically you got opportunities. So he was just like zip, zap, zopping all over the world, having a great time. Yeah. He's well-traveled. That's he has it. a he's tan just, line. He's well-traveled. That's he's all well- I got. He has an inhaler. <laughs> Seems like a great guy. So anyway, so little Gerald is now sort of medium Gerald, and he's 20-something. Okay. He's spending some time working on a tea plantation, joins a local militia, works for a rubber company, which we all know, problematic as fuck. And he returns home on holiday to the UK for a few months. He's like, I'm going to take an extended holiday, visit with my family. And he starts spending time with a group of relatives called the Surgenesons. That's their last name? That's their last name. Okay. Who were Methodist. And his family was not Methodist, and it created a lot of friction in their family. Mm, mm -hmm. What more, this part of the family was really into the paranormal, talking about ghosts and fairies and spiritualism and holding seances. How Methodist are they? (laughs) It's a fun fun Methodist. Okay. I'm not a regular Methodist. I'm a cool Methodist. I'm a party Methodist. (laughs) Then the Surgenesons sort of like lean over. They're like, hey, come here. Hey, lean over. You want to hear some fucking family goss? Of course, because he's been gone. He doesn't know who these people are. He's like, I don't fucking... You could be... My mom. 
I don't know what she looks like. And of course, we all want to hear family goss. So Gerald's like, yes, thank you for this delicious treat of, yeah. of wonderful information about my family, my long lost family. I am Fifel in this scenario. So the Sir Jenison spill that Gerald's grandfather was a witch. What? And that his ancestors had been burned at the stake for their beliefs. That's metal as fuck. He was like, finally, I'm special. Aww. Will girls like me now? Oh, probably not, but <laughs> you'll get it later. Plenty. Mm-hmm. Now, when he goes back to his rubber plantation with sort of like this arcane knowledge of his specialness and that he's a special boy who comes from a long line of also very special boys, he leaves the rubber plantation to move to Singapore. He's in oh. Sri Lanka. He moves to Singapore to work on another rubber plantation because I guess that's just, this life is not good for me. I am such a rich, special man with a magical past and a magical future. I will just, I'll move to another magical place and do the same goddamn fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, privilege. While he's in Singapore, he meets this American called Only Cornwall. Okay, so another corn. Secondary corn. Okay. This one's decorative. So good old corn, he's a Muslim convert, Mm. but he's really unorthodox and he mixes a lot of this sort of new Islamic faith with folk beliefs from Sinoy and Malay people. And our boy Gerald is like, you got any weapons? Because he likes these fucking weapons. (sighs) Boys. And Cornwall is like, yeah, we got weapons. And Gerald becomes obsessed with this ritual knife called a Chris. Like a Chris Jenner? Exactly like a Chris Jenner. It's sharp, it's pointy. And it comes in a very bedazzled sheath. Ooh, gets you all them contracts. That 10%, baby. So we enter into a period of what I like to call the amateur anthromagico archipelago nudist swordologist. Ooh. Gerald. Love it. So World War One is over. Good. Gerald's dad has dementia. Wait, so Gerald with his interest in weaponry never had to go to war. Well, what he did was is that he joined a bunch of militias and then would like create specialty weapons. Oh. But I don't think that you can really fight in the trenches with a magical Chris. I don't know. I mean. Maybe. If you're a magical girl, but this one's a magical boy. <laughs> If you're a magical girl, you point to the sky and the moon gives you the um, killing powers. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this is a scenario. This is completely different. This is very different. Yeah. So his dad has dementia. Also, he has money, so he doesn't have to go to war. Yeah, you're Haven't right. you heard he of just, our president? like, paid. He paid. paid. It off. Yeah. So he goes back to England, probably to make sure that he's in his rich daddy's will. Mm-hmm. And spiritualism is all over the UK at this point because there's a lot of fucking dead people. <laughs> So he's like peeking in on all of these mediums and seances and he's wigging out over these Ouija boards and he meets a fellow enthusiast by the name of Dorothea Rosendale and he meets her and he begs her to marry her the next day. Ooh, I like that. Romantic. That's a Chloe Lamar kind of wedding. Like, let's (laughs) just do it. Two weeks, baby. So they get married in less than three weeks because he's got to get his ass back to Singapore. Yeah. And he brings her with him. Oh, shit. He's like, you're my wife now. You go, girl. That's awesome. I've been in Liverpool. That has been decimated by the First World War. I would love to go to. I'd love to go anywhere. Please, anywhere but here. He's married. He's back in Malay. And he really cannot get over this fucking ritual knife. He's like, I must. I must have more. And he decides to start holding these secret midnight excavations to look for archaeological and historical magical weapons. He's like, I'm sure there's more. Yeah. There probably are. And the reason he has to do it in secret at night is because in his country, 
archaeologists and grave robbers are essentially the same thing, which I was like, fair. Yeah. So to Gerald's credit, he did make a bunch of cool discoveries, like that the Roman Empire traded with Singapore through India. And you can see some of the stuff he found up in museums in Singapore. Like he didn't send them back to England like a finder's keepers. Oh, that's good. He didn't get the mummy's curse. He didn't get the mummy's curse. That's good. Yes. Didn't try to send any dead bodies on ships and then had nightmares for 10,000 years cursing his children. Thank goodness. But then his dad does die, unfortunately, which is very sad. So he picks up Dorothea and he says, hey, you know, I really hope you liked living in this warm weather because we have to go back to fucking England. And she's like, damn it. (laughs) No. Damn it, Gerald. Damn it, Gerald. And so they do. But if you remember, Gerald's like really fucking sickly. He has asthma and like bronchitis (sighs) and like probably, you know, some sort of liver problem, judging by the sallowness of his skin Mm -hmm. while living in a tropical climate. And he comes back home and he gets really sick and he goes to see a doctor finally Mm -hmm. because they have doctors now in the 1900s. I love that. And the doctor prescribes him nudism. Oh, you can prescribe that. I think that maybe we should all be asking our doctors for a little more of this. Yeah. So Gerald swears by the nudism, saying that it cured all of his ailments. To be fair, back in the day, men wore a lot of clothes. So did women. Yes. Like you were very covered. Little bows that they wore around Mm -hmm. their necks. So maybe it was really that he was being choked by all of his privileged neckties. (laughs) And it wasn't (laughs) asthma. Yeah, it could be. So now our lovely No More Tan Lines Gerald wants to be taken seriously in his anthropological, archaeological, folklore studying circles. Mm -hmm. And he applies for a doctorate in philosophy at the Meta Collegiate Extension of the National Electronic Institute, and they give it to him. This doesn't sound like a real college. But you'll notice... And as a lot of academics at the time did notice, is that that is a fake mail order institution <laughs> that you can I just knew it. send money to, and it exists in Nevada. I'm too smart. You can't send me to Trump University. I know. But Gerald doesn't really give a shit, so he starts calling himself Dr. Gardner and then talks about all of his past lives. That's pretty funny. It's like, I'm a doctor. With it. Yeah, it's like, I'm a doctor, and I was Cleopatra once, so respect me. Suck it. I'm a special boy. <laughs> so then... Gerald's dad is dead. Good. And he's dragging his wife back to the UK. And apparently, he's probably feeling really bad about it. He's like, how can I cheer up my very sad and now, once again, very pale wife? Mm -hmm. And Dorothea is something of an amateur thespian. Amateurs all around. I love it. So Gerald's like, I'm going to take her to see a play. Aww. Adorable. And they end up going to a little local theater owned by a mysterious theater company. Okay. Called... The Rosicrucian Order Kurotoa Fellowship. That sounds like a boring play. Well, Dorothea thought so too. (laughs) She was like, I hate this. Dorothea and I are one and the same, baby. (laughs) You made a lot of promises to me, Gerald. (laughs) I just wanted to see Oscar Wilde. (laughs) Couldn't we have seen Hamilton? But on the flip side, Gardner's like super fucking into it. So he really likes this whole vibe and he decides to join. And little does he know, he is joining a cult. Did he think it was a play? He really liked the vibe of like this sort of magical, ancient theater. (laughs) Sort of, you know, there's one main guy and all of the girls are also into this one main guy. And he's like, maybe I could be you when I grow up. And you're like, Gerald, you're 48. Gerald, this isn't a play. There's no dramatic structure. Have you heard of Aristotle? No, you never went to school. That's not his fault then. That's not his fault. This cult is run by George Sullivan, which is not a cool name at all. And I'm kind of disappointed that he didn't change it. But the ROCF believe 
that their leader, George, was not only immortal, okay, not only that he possessed the Holy Grail, but also believed that putting on these fun magical plays was part of their religious doctrine. I love that. So Gerald doesn't really drive with like the whole ROCF, and they had a bit of a falling out after a memo went out on September 2nd, 1939, that sort of predicted that World War II wasn't going to come to Britain. And then on September 3rd, 1939, Britain declared war on Germany. That's like our crystal ball episode at the beginning of 2020. (laughs) But... Like any toxic work environment, Gerald found a little gang of misfits that would become his lifelong confidants. Aww. So they're hanging out, he's hanging out with these buds, and one of them, Edith Woodford Grimes, invites him over to a house owned by Old Dorothy. Ooh, that's a witch. That fucking witchy as shit. Mm-hmm. So Old Dorothy is this old woman who we don't actually know her age, but we assume she is very, very old. Ancient, honestly. She lives in this town. And, you know, he said, oh, come into my house. Oh, yes, I have cookies. Come, come, come. And she says, did the house have a chicken feet? (laughs) And was there a bunch of hands (laughs) that, like, did her bidding? And also there was no door, so she had to escape through the Oh, just follow the breadcrumbs to my home. (laughs) Well, he gets in there, and um, she says, get naked. And he's like, okay. Oh, he's like, I am so good at this now. Because at this point, he is not an amateur nudist anymore, I will have to say. I think he is quite professional. Exactly. I think this might be his only true profession (laughs) in this whole thing. (laughs) And so they bring Gerald into a room with a bunch of witches and then like, you know, put him into the center. Mm -hmm. Like the guest. Yeah. Like homecoming when like one guy's doing the worm and everyone's like, get out of the way. (laughs) Let him do it. Let him do it. (laughs) Go, go, go. (laughs) And they perform what he called an initiation ceremony to an ancient witch coven. Okay. And now I looked up Dorothy because she is, in fact, a real person. Good. Historians have found this out. But there's a lot of speculation about whether or not this event ever actually happened. But what I can tell you is that she loved to write poetry. Love it. And I'm going to read you two poems. (gasps) Please. Because I'm sure this is what you want. So, I am waiting for my lady. For down the pathway shady, I think I hear her footfall light. My heart beats wildly with delight. That was excellent. You got it, old Dorothy. One more. I knew you were a vision, the loveliest ever seen. But I also knew that you were real and of my heart, the queen. Literally, I just want Marcel to say that, bend down on one knee and like ask me to marry him. Isn't it like absolutely a fucking love poem? That's it. It's a genius. So that's the only thing we really know about Dorothy. (laughs) But apparently, allegedly, Gerald Gardner gets initiated into this witch coven called the New Forest Coven. And he believed it to be an ancient surviving witch coven from pre-Christian Europe. And the whole idea of like secret underground witch cults, as we know, is not a new concept, but a less antagonistic academic look into the concept was popularized by researcher Margaret Murray. So I've, I only have sort of a mild familiarity with Margaret Murray's work on secret societies of witches, but it was pretty thoroughly debunked in like the 90s. Whoops. Um, but I do want to say that occult and spiritualist enthusiasts found it really affirming because I just like, okay, so let's say like, here I am, I'm Tara. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to connect to like this spiritual ancestral bond And that's something that's, you know, hard to know whether or not it's real. And sometimes it feels like I'm pretending, but I do feel like there's like this something other. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, a researcher comes and says, there are these covens that have existed for a really long time and their practices look just like yours. And so now it's like, oh, I've been tapping into 
like this ancient spiritual energy that I always knew was true. And now I feel very much like real and legitimized and validated. And that was so important to so many people. Aww. So Gerald Gardner is a witch. He decides that he's going to fucking do something about it. He's like, I have to do something about all of this witch energy. <laughs> and then his hair turns white. Yeah. And his beard grows long. Mm-hmm. And he's like, long beard. I'm going to turn this into a goatee. Yeah. So I look like someone in a metal band. Then what happens, Alicia? <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> Tell us the magical instead of the malarian. Well, what I want to know, I want to know what happened to Dorothea. Oh, really? Dorothea, she stays with him basically through all of this. Oh, really? Yeah, like they are married up until her death, and I don't think he actually remarries. But they, like, live their whole lives together. I mean, he doesn't need to remarry after the sacred sexual that we'll get into in a second. (sighs) Yes, yeah. So parts of Garnerian Wicca, it's very hard to melt it down to be like, these are the tenets. But essentially a reverence and connection to nature. So Gardner's Coven spent most of their time outside when spellcasting, like... They were outside and naked, sometimes at night, but they were still outside nonetheless, and that was very important to them. Also, there was a big focus on equality for women. So women were allowed and encouraged to be in your coven. It's like, yes, give me more, which maybe he's just a pervy old man who's like, yes, more ladies. I love the ladies. It's like Nexium, but like with a little less professional development. Yes, but there was always a role as a high priestess, and there was a high priest So the high priestess was basically the metaphor for all things feminine Mm -hmm. and high priest, all things masculine. And then just having those two kind of like the god and the goddess in your group. Mm -hmm. And so we're not really here to say that Gerald Gardner himself was Mr. Feminist because there are some not well cited sources, mostly Angel Fire. Do you remember Angel Fire? Oh my God, yeah. I saw one Angel Fire and they were like, fuck this guy. And I was like, who are you, Angel Fire? (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know, Angel Fire is like a witchy site from the thousands, the 2000s. And they had all this like witchcraft information. Mm -hmm. But we don't know where they got this information from. We don't know who is this information. So they're not really, when we're fact checking, they're not really a credible source. There's also a lot of stuff out there that was thoroughly debunked as far as like what some of these rituals would entail Mm -hmm. um and a lot of them were really scathing as far as like you know sexual sadism and stuff like that and so it's like it's really easy to make up stuff because it's not well documented you know you see stuff like whips yeah and naked in the forest and you're like hmm how far is that from eating babies huh (laughs) i gotta get my how many degrees of separation they are actively aborting all of the children of the community (laughs) so he might not be mr feminist But it's also the 1930s, so promoting women's equality in any way is kind of a good job for the time. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get all the credit, but it's kind of a good job for the time. And then the idea of the sacred sexual, because I know all you pervs out there heard the word sacred sexual and you were like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, because that's what I would have done. I feel you. Tara and I watched separately but together a documentary about Gerald Gardner and sacred sexual was mentioned, but they never touched upon it, which I was like, Hmm, that's probably because it's maybe a little shady. So I looked it up and now I know why there aren't specifics. So essentially in Gerald Gardner's Wicca, the role of sacred sexuality is non-procreative sexual intercourse. You know, like fun sex, normal sex, normal sex. I don't know. Fun sex. Any sex. That's not to make a baby on purpose, I guess. Yeah. 
non-procreative sexual intercourse that functioned as an impersonal and informal rite of passage, a fertility ritual performed actually in ancient times and actually or symbolically in modern times. In this sense, sacred sexuality can be seen as a shared gift or proffered libation. So I found this very, very tiny Wikipedia article, which I'm basically going to tell you the whole thing right now. So you can look it up or you don't. But it doesn't mention Gerald Gardner by name at all, just for full disclosure. But it says the Great Rite, R-I-T-E, is a Wiccan ritual involving symbolic sexual intercourse with the purpose of drawing energy from the powerful connection between the male and the female. So most often it is performed by the high priest and the high priestess, but other participants can be elected to perform the rite. This reminds me of stuff that we covered in Sex Magic, Mm -hmm. where like, though they do say male and female in this text, the idea of like the masculine and the feminine being separate from gender and just being like two forces that then braid together and that some exist within you and some exist within me. It's all just energy. All just energy. It also goes on to say that if But you get a crown. But you get a crown. You do get a crown. Okay, okay, cool. Everyone, or not everyone, the high priest and the high priestess get a crown. I don't know if you need to keep it on while having sex. That might be fun. I gotta pin it in, you know, make sure it stays in. That makes sense. It goes on to say that if you are celebrating the great rite symbolically, then the high priestess plunges a ritual knife, Ah. you know, it looks like a penis, into a cup or chalice, which looks like a vagina, which is filled with wine and held by the high priest. So that's the symbolic way to do it. But Gerald Gardner was a nudist (laughs) professionally, so I bet he wanted to do it the real way. (laughs) Which is why I'm curious about Dorothea's relationship with him. If she was just, I mean, maybe at that age, she was just like, whatever. Fuck this guy. (laughs) Well, for onesies, I think he had a lot of money. I mean, that's nice. Because he did get stuff from his dad and then started not what I would call a cult, but did start a theater troupe, a theater troupe, (laughs) a religious theater troupe. But he has said like in a lot of articles about him, they talk about how in love they were. But that it is suspected that he was having an affair with his most closest high priestess, Edith. But we don't know if it's an affair, if they're like in some kind of open marriage. I feel like if you're married to Gerald Gardner and you get a couple of years in, you know what this guy's about. Totally. Totally. He also helped allegedly create the festival wheel of the year. So, you know, Litha, Lunasa, Mabon, Yule, etc. All of those. The legend has it that Gerald Gardner was with Ross Nichols, who is a man who founded the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. I didn't know there were so many clubs you could be a part of. I wish there were more clubs now that didn't make me feel nervous. Didn't revolve around racism and hatred. Yeah. (sighs) Gerald wanted a celebration of the solstices and equinoxes, while Nichols argued for a celebration of the four Celtic fire seasons. And, you know, in a happy marriage, you have to compromise. So that's what they did. Mm -hmm. And that's how we have the wheel, the sabbat, the sabbats. All that good shit. Those good old sabbats. All them fun holidays we do. And then he's an old man, so he's got other accomplishments. Mr. Gerald helped Cecil Williamson open the first British Museum of Witchcraft on the Isle of Man in 1951. What a CV. I know. For a while, Gerald was the witch in residence at the museum. Yeah, add that to your CV. That's going to look good. (laughs) Gerald and Cecil ended up getting into a fight because I'm sure sure Gerald could probably be a bag of dicks at times. Absolutely. You know, like he seems like he was probably stubborn and crazy. And annoying. And annoying and persistent. And Cecil was probably like, fuck this dude. Come on. So they got into a fight and Gerald bought the store from him and renamed it the Museum of Magic and Witchcraft. 
and it is still a very popular tourist attraction and bookshop for occultists to this day. It does, however, look like it is temporarily closed due to COVID, but maybe it'll open up when this shit is all over. And we will go and we'll be like, we talked about you on our podcast. And they'd be like, that's so cool. Would you guys like to be friends? And I'd be like, yeah, let's be friends on Instagram. And then, you know, they come to my wedding and they bring like some cool knives. I just imagined we'd go and you're like making friends and I'm like, I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> This was built in 1930s. Like, fucking who, freezing. Do we have a heater on? Like, Fuck, no. it's October. <laughs> it's October. Gerald Gardner also participated in something called the Cone of Light, or otherwise known as the Cone of Power during World War II. And this idea of the Cone of Power is a way of raising energy through ritual magic. For Gerald, you're in a group outside, of course. He's always outside. He loves being outside. <laughs> no more tan lines. No more tan lines around either an imagined point that everyone in your coven agrees on or a bonfire. And then you raise your energy by singing, chanting, dancing, playing the drums, etc. It feels very what we would think of as a Native American kind of ritual. Oh, like a circling around the fire. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's like you're physically, vocally, all of it, raising the energy together. However, you're raising this energy for a large goal. And in Gerald Gardner's case, his goal was for the Nazis to not invade Britain. What? 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 Our hero, Gerald Gardner, Nazi punching with magic hands? What is this old man doing? <laughs> Who let this man outside? And Britain wasn't invaded during World War II, so Gerald Gardner gives himself and his coven full credit oh for God. that. <laughs> what was the rhythm that they had? It was like, you cannot see across the sea or something like that? Like, you cannot come It might come have been here? something like that. You yeah. cannot see across the sea... You are not welcome You're just here. Flying over, being like, fuck, I can't find this island. Like, it's got like, <laughs> is that sauerkraut in his eyes? Not like Germany and the fucking UK have a long, 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 long history and they know where each other are. <laughs> it's like they got lost on the, just on the lost Magellan. In the fog. Oh, that's so funny. My Google Maps doesn't work up here. So, other uses where the cone of light has allegedly been used 1588. Cone of Power helped to defeat the Spanish Armada. 1805, Cone of Power raised against Napoleon's planned invasion. And 1971, California witches gathered and performed a Cone of Power ritual to end the war in Vietnam. What year did it Vietnam end? Wasn't it over by then? <laughs> the Californians just had no idea. They were like, dude, I'm so stoned. <laughs> 1975. Is what this says. Oh, wow. The very fast Google search. Is that real? That's a long The Vietnam War. war. <laughs> is that? <laughs> I'm going to fucking QAnon the Vietnam War. No, I'm not because a lot of people died and it was very traumatic. It was. My great uncle got a purple heart from being in Vietnam. Really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. How was he when he came back? I mean, he never talked about Nam. <laughs> he also published a few books, the most important one being The Book of Shadows. So Gerald created the most famous Book of Shadows, which is kind of like just a grimoire. You know, it sounds spooky, Book of Shadows, blah, blah, blah. This Book of Shadows is literally locked up in a fucking vault in Spain. So cool. Also, I was thinking, just as a tangent, do we lock up things in vaults? Or is this very much just a European kind of thing? This vault use? Like under my Chase Bank... In Midwood, in Brooklyn, is there a vault? It'd be like Hasidic Jewish secrets or something, because that's the community. 
I don't know. I wonder if it's like, where do you put are a you, vault? Are you questioning about the existence of vaults or that do we as Americans lock up things in vaults? Second one. Okay, so we do. Mm-hmm. I think it's money. We just put money in vaults? We put money in vaults for sure. Vaults exist. Okay. And I know this only because there's a CVS in downtown Chicago that used to be a bank and you can go into the vault and inside is where the vitamins are. <laughs> But I think it's like, what do we value? Yeah. What do we value in our countries? And as Americans, we value money a lot. Which is so dumb. Because there were those news articles years ago about fucking warehouses being burnt or like art pieces, like Mm -hmm. cannot replace art pieces being ruined. And we could have just put them in a vault, Mm -hmm. but we didn't. No, we didn't. We hate art. Well, this is true. You don't have to read. Art is the dying art. Yeah, I mean, when I worked at the Honolulu Museum of Art, there wasn't a vault for art. You just kept it in the basement. (laughs) For the mold to grow. Literally. And I'm like, we're on an island sinking into the sea. Like, it's wet down here. Like, we need something better, guys. So anyways, the Book of Shadows in the vault in España. This book contains many symbols and instructions on how to do magical spells and enchantments. And the documentary, I'm sure we'll post a documentary at least in the Facebook group, because it was actually an interesting 45 minutes and not an awful 45 minutes. But he put on like the nice gloves, like Mm -hmm. now that we see the doctors use because of the COVID. And he's like turning the pages slowly. Very, very cool. Notice that our protagonist of the documentary was not allowed to touch the book. No. He's like, no, no, this is for my very professional gloved hands. And for all you guys who will see the documentary, we love the protagonist. We love him. We love him. He's great. Don't touch him. Don't be mean to him. One of his most important accomplishments is that Gerald Gardner introduced Wicca into the world, like the world world. He was interviewed on BBC Panorama because for a while he was kind of on exposés being like, witchcraft is real, like, you know, weird shit like that. And so BBC was not really having it. But this interview was watched by 12 million people. And for many people, it was the first time they had ever seen a witch on TV. Mm-hmm. At one point, the interviewer said, I've been reading your book, and it does seem like a lot of these acts are just sexual orgies, to which Gerald replied, they're not, not in the least. Like, he tried to still be, like, very dignified when talking about it, because mm-hmm. BBC was definitely going for that expose angle. And Gerald was like, no, witchcraft is real, and it's great, and, like, we have communities, and it's so nice. And women are here, and they have power, and exactly. it's important that they're here. And- I love it. And so this interview made him Britain's first modern celebrity witch, which I think he wanted. So desperately. So desperately. Gerald ended up dying in 1964. And at that point, Wicca was on its way to becoming a globally recognized faith. The whole hippie movement of the 1960s also deeply embraced the ideas behind Wicca, which helped Wicca as a religion actually take off. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, free love, peace, being in nature, psychedelics. Witchcraft! We're here! We're here! My name is Rain Tempest, and this is my partner, Sunberry, and we are the witches of the forest. (laughs) Hannah, I told you not to call yourself that at Thanksgiving. Whoops. Sorry, Dad. Is there anything else we should add about him? Well, you know, I had originally planned this episode to come with a disclaimer at the beginning to be like okay guys like it's all in good faith like this is a comedy show but there really like wasn't anything where I was like this is a ridiculous man yeah where I felt like this was truly a man that was like out for discovery and he was curious and he threw himself 
just like face first into everything that interested him. Mm -hmm. He was like sending stuff to museums and like doing secret digs and like went in and like studied and communed with like the native people of anywhere he went and was very much for like the liberation of the workers in rubber plantations, Mm -hmm. which as you know, killed thousands of people in the fucking Amazon where he wasn't he was in sort of South Asia but like I was really hoping for that expose I came in with that BBC energy (laughs) and I ended up getting this guy that just seemed really excited yeah like he's a fucking weirdo for sure we can all admit to that but also that takes such a certain courage to be like I just want to know for the sake of knowing I just want to do this thing to do it Mm -hmm. and I want to do it well Or not. Like, he can still be an amateur, whatever he wants. But to just be like, this is the thing I'm doing now. This is great. I mean, people are snobby now. People, I'm sure, were way more snobby back then. Can't even imagine. His dad probably was like, thank God I died. Oh, God. My nude son. (laughs) My very nude, wheezing son. His wife had no idea what she was getting herself into, but... No, she knew him for a day. uh, So she knew. (laughs) But, I mean, marriages went fast back then. I don't know. I don't know. I guess... That goes to show you that I guess being weird is good. Yeah. Has many benefits. It could create a whole fucking religion that's recognized. Like our U.S. military recognizes you being Wicca now. Isn't that crazy? It's not even 100 years old. Yeah. It's not even 100 years old. It's so wild. Well, that was cute. We ended on an up note. Yes, we did. Look at us. Okay. It is now time for the final 2020 which is in the news oh oh, yeah all right we got two stories that are a bit of a bummer but i come back with that third to charm the pants off of you so i hope you're ready okay this is a crumble (laughs) where it's nasty and gnarly on the bottom but you have put some nice almonds on top exactly the witch's backlash News number one. Ooh, lash that back. Lash that back. We've talked about the new The Witches film, the remake, that started streaming on HBO Max, so I think it would kind of be wrong for us to not talk about the current very large backlash that the film is facing. Tara, did you watch the film? I did not because I really didn't like the original The Witches. I didn't like that either, and I watched the new one, and I also did not like that for very similar reasons. (laughs) Marcel was the one who liked the original Witches, and then when I watched it, I was like, this is just kind of weird. Yeah, it it was a very weird film from what I was also really, really high. Yeah. So it was a whole other level of, like, psychological nightmare situation. (laughs) But... It's nice to know that it is a similar air. It's just a bad screenplay, maybe. It's just very fucking crazy. So in the remake, we see Anne Hathaway as the Grand High Witch, and it is revealed that some of the witch characteristics are her, like, Joker-like mouth with lots and lots of upsetting teeth, like, kind of think of, like, a shark mouth. Too many teeth, very scary. I'm visualizing. And her hands and feet are missing digits. So the witches in The Witches... Each have three fingers on each hand and one toe on each foot. So there has been major backlash from people with disabilities about how you never see limb difference in entertainment and how one of the very first times you do, a la in this rendition of The Witches, they are being portrayed as the villain, which is the same argument we've had about, oh, well, the black person always gets killed off in horror films or why do we never see any Asian male protagonists? Like, this is the same root of a lot of the social problems that Hollywood has been facing. Yeah, it's like the bury the gays. 
where mm-hmm. like if you have homosexual relationship, one of the partners has to die. Yep. And that's where the tragic backstory comes from. It's like, oh, their love is so tragic when it could actually just be like they get married and have a great life. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't we seeing that movie? Yeah. And what's also I didn't even put this in the article, but what's also really interesting is people with disabilities are the largest minority group of any minority group. Oh, there's more people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's such a wide umbrella. It could be any kind of disability. Yeah. But if you're marketing a film and you're messing with that crowd, you're messing with a big crowd. Yeah. Because that encompasses like both genders, non-binary, anyone. Mm Mm-hmm could be in that field. The backlash became so intense that Anne Hathaway herself issued an apology on Instagram writing, I have recently learned that many people with limb differences, especially children, are in pain because of the portrayal of the Grand High Witch and the Witches. Let me begin by saying I do my best to be sensitive to the feelings and experiences of others, not out of some scrambling PC fear, but because not hurting others seems like a basic level of decency we should all be striving for. As someone who really believes in inclusivity and really, really detests cruelty, I owe you all an apology for the pain caused. I am sorry. I know. Warner Brothers, the studio that created the remake, also issued an apology. That was like two lines. That was very easy. Like, we're sorry we didn't mean to offend anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Please watch the movie. It's the only movie. It's the only movie we put out. I know. But yeah, so that is the big backlash issue right now, which is pretty, you know, fair call them out that's real as shit and we talked about limb difference and in the palmistry mm-hmm. and like the idea that like you can't exclude people and villainize people and these molds are old you know these yeah. are old molds and it's time to really bust out of that and, and like make new ideas about what is normal and what is good and what is disturbing and you know it's important yeah i agree up next so bummer bummer charming <laughs> It's, so it's a it's a crumble and it's very very spicy but it's also very very sour and those two flavors shouldn't go together. Yeah, there we go. Up next, Bailey Boswell and the Sydney Loof case. We have an update. We have an update. Okay. You look upset. I mean, the whole case is upsetting, honestly. Almost three years after the murder of Sidney Loof, Bailey Boswell has finally received a verdict in October 2020, so two months ago. For anyone who needs a little reminder of why we're interested in Bailey Boswell and her verdict, here's the gist. Essentially, a man named Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell allegedly, this is a very soft allegedly, like we're pretty sure they murdered her, murdered Sydney Loof, dismembered her body in Aubrey Trail's basement, tried to clean it up, but like so poorly, and then threw her body parts in different ditches throughout Nebraska. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. Aubrey Trail specifically had talked to other women about himself being a witch and that you can get your witch powers by breathing in someone's last breath. Yuck, very gross, very grisly, super disturbing, honestly. Jesus. Bailey Boswell has been found guilty of murder in the first degree with premeditated malice when killing Sidney Loof, guilty of improper disposal of human skeletal remains, and guilty to commit conspiracy of murder of the first degree. So guilty on all three counts. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah. And the jurors were all pretty shook by the trial. They said there were a lot of questions and Bailey's trial took slightly longer than Aubrey Trail's trial. And at that point, they had to move cities to do her trial like multiple times because Aubrey Trail's trial got so much attention that they needed fresh jurors who didn't already have a bias. Yeah, because he tried to kill himself. 
Yeah, in he the tried middle. to like knife himself or with like a razor blade or something. Yeah, he tried to slit his own throat. Jeez. Uh, like during in the courthouse, it was wild. However, the jurors said the facts were so overwhelming for this case that the verdict was unanimous. Bailey Boswell's sentencing is being scheduled for another date, but she is facing the death penalty, which would make her the only female on Nebraska's death row. Wow. Which is crazy. Which I got feelings about death row, but it's still like, yeah, they did shit, though. They did, they did some they crazy shit. They fucking stole shit. her tongue. Oh, shit. I yeah. punched the microphone. They stole her tongue. Yeah. Like her heart, her tongue, like those things were not found. They're missing. Yeah. Still. Which they could be in a ditch. They could be in Aubrey Trail's tummy. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's fucking wild. So for our last charming story, okay, we're going to talk about the Rockefeller Christmas tree surprise. A spicy surprise. A surprise. Have you heard about this yet? I haven't heard anything. I'm so excited. Okay. (laughs) Good. So the Rockefeller Christmas tree has gone up and some people are saying it's the shabbiest giant Christmas tree that they've ever seen. With people even commenting that the tree itself is a metaphor for 2020, which is fair. It looks very sparse and like it's been through a lot of shit this year. However, like the twists and turns that we're used to in 2020, there was a surprise in the Rockefeller tree. A tiny owl was trapped clinging to a tree branch of the tree. And this little guy made a three-day journey from Anianta to New York City, which honestly should not have taken them three days to get that tree down here. That's like a few hours away. Yeah. But whatever. The little owl had no food or water for three days. He was just on this ride. Oh, no. It's like little owl into the big city. Like, what the hell? He's just stuck there. (laughs) And he's super nocturnal. So he's only waking up in the night to be like, where the fuck am I? Like on a Greyhound bus going to fucking nowhere, man. Exactly. It's like the worst type of journey song. He was immediately rescued by workers and taken to an animal refuge. He was given fluids and I quote, all the mice he could eat. Oh, a little buffet. Mm-hmm. And he's been given x-rays and checkups, but we are told he is in great condition. And of course, the Wildlife Refuge has given this little owl the name of Rockefeller. Classic. And he is so cute. Oh, yeah. Can I see a picture? Yeah. Click the link. I hope they make a movie out of this. <gasps> Look at his little scarfy sweater. Yeah. Keep scrolling because there's the one of how small he is. He's so tiny. He's so tiny. Excuse me. He's like the size of someone's hands, basically. He's just like barely popping out of there. Oh, you are such a little tiny man. Yeah. What is Ron Weasley doing in the side of this? I got to get out of here. (laughs) BBC News. So once little Rocky has a clean bill of health, he will be released back into the wild. So a Christmas miracle. Here in New York, are they going to take him upstate? No, they're going to take him upstate. (laughs) They're like, release. And he's like, I, there are no trees. Where is my mother? (laughs) Please. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to take him back to Anianta or they're just going to take him to some woodsy area. But I think it's a sawwet. I think that's how you say it, owl. And so they're pretty popular in North America. So it's not like he's an endangered species or anything. So he could go anywhere where there's greenery. Yeah, true, true. But I thought that was a nice little Christmas Yuletide miracle to end the podcast. That's this year's Witches in the News, baby. Wow, there was so much news. So much news. So many types of news. I love it. There were movies. There were trains. Yeah. There were people dead. There were fun board games. Fun, fluffy animals. Fun, a lot of them. (laughs) 
And it's so funny that you would use a Christmas tree because I'd like to give you some Yuletide uses for pine. Oh my gosh, the segues keep coming, baby. It's an army of segues. It's almost as if you knew, but she actually didn't know, so. I didn't know. It was cute. I saw the segue coming, but she didn't know. So Alicia, Marcel, and I are going to be enjoying our winter solstice vacation in December, but we didn't want to leave you hanging during our much-beloved Sabat Yule. Whoop, whoop. As we do every year, we must remind you to check on our fan favorite Yule goat, the Yavle goat. We love him. So in 2019, this Yavle goat was the first goat to survive until Christmas three years in a row. Oh my gosh. They've really beefed up security, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's guards there all the time. Yeah. And there have still been attempts on its life with the guards But that's the tradition. They also set up a taxi rank to increase the number of people nearby. So it's just like very populated now. Yeah. And people are still like, it's tradition. I love it. I hope he comes back for COVID Christmas. So you can watch the live feed of the goat once its yearly construction is complete around the first week of December. But that's visityavle.se. That's V-I-S-I-T-G-A-V-L-E dot S-E. Yavle. Anyway. But another woven beloved of the season is the wreath. Oh, that's true. Little circle, little ring, little sort of diamond ring you put on your door. You put on a sconce, maybe. Anyway, the tradition of hanging a wreath comes from 16th century Europe and is usually made from the trimmings of a pine tree after it's been brought inside for some sort of season of lights-esque holiday. Before they were made to be hung on doors and doorknobs to dorm rooms, they were worn on the heads of rulers and gods symbolizing their rank. And it's kind of like they take it off and they put it to hang it up. Ah, that's cool. So in the 16th century, it was adopted by Christians to symbolize eternal life for their Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Hmm. They adopted the holly as a symbol for the blood of Christ, which I was like, we don't have to make this gross, but (laughs) I guess you can. And then lighting the candles to symbolize like Holy Trinity. Got it. Contemporary pagans use it to symbolize the wheel of the year, which we just learned more about today. Mm -hmm. Inviting in health, prosperity, and joy since the pine tree remains green and vibrant in the darkest of winter nights. That's so poetic. So the wreath itself is highly customizable. You can do anything with it, really. People often will wrap it with gold ribbon to invite in the return of the sun because they're like, it's so cold. (laughs) I'm in Michigan. And we just went blue for the first time in a while. So I'm having a lot of hope, and I would like to bring the sun back like Chanticleer. So you can dot it with red berries like holly to keep in the warmth of your home. So it's the idea of sealing in that warmth within the place that you live. Dusting your wreath with a bit of cinnamon, which corresponds also to the sun, but invites in money and also keeps away ants because they don't really like that stuff. Okay, fair. And of course, making your own wreath, putting in your own heart and love into it is great, but store-bought hoops are fine. (laughs) And if you're the crafty type, I would really love it if you guys would send us photos of your Yule wreath decorations. If you make tiny Yule goats, just send us your fucking Yule log. I want to see it. I love that. So please, we are going to continue to have episodes on patreon so there's still going to be more content but in the meantime we will miss you so send us pictures yeah we love you we love you and this has been with jess guys oh 
We would like to thank our producer, Marcel Perez, our creative director, Mallory Porter, and Kevin McLeod for the music in the intro and outro. If you want to find me, Alicia, on Instagram, you can go to Alicia period Herder because that's my name, so I keep it real easy for you. She's highly Googleable. Highly Googleable these days. Tara, what about you? Where can we find you? If you want to find me. Yes. You can go to Instagram. You can go to her lovely face. That is my art Instagram. Or you can go to underscore little moss. That's my private Instagram. I usually go in. If you request to follow, I usually go in and see if you're following Witch Yes or Alicia or someone that I care about. And then I'm like, all right, come into the castle. If you're also on private, I can't see that. And so we're just in sort of a, like a private dueling situation. I am on my horse. You are on your horse. And we have our little javelins at each other. And we're coming <laughs> And one of us will eventually cave. I'd also really like to thank Big Lazy Hippie. Yes. Who was not lazy in this absolutely charming Apple Podcast review. As you know, at the top of the show, like we said before, we'll read Apple Podcast reviews at the very beginning because we love you and we want to reward you and let you know that we see you, Skeleton Queen, Dustin Robert, Nanette, you know that we see you, British Lovely 1721, and that we appreciate you and it's important to us that you guys put in the time it takes a lot of effort to listen to a podcast, like it enough to go on into your phone and be like, I'm going to write something nice about them as we read it. Thank you. Witchy Kitty, who did it on Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you. You can follow us on Instagram at Witch Yes. And we also have a Facebook group called Witch Yes, the Facebook Coven. If you hate social media, you can always email us at witchyespodcast at gmail.com. Remember that there's a survey at the bottom of this. So fill it out. Tell us what you would like to see on season three of Witch Yes. And join our Patreon because they're getting tons of stuff. Yeah. Patreon's continuing on through December. And we'll see you in January. Oh my gosh. So crazy. Oh my God. I can't. What are you going to do with your. Oh my gosh. So I forgot. (laughs) The film that Marcel and I produced is coming to HBO Max on December 4th. Holy shit. (laughs) So you can find La Leyenda Negra on December 4th and we hope you enjoy it. It'll be on HBO Max or HBO Latino. We're very, very excited. It's very exciting. We're all very proud. Thank you. It's really big. Yay. All right. And this has been Witch Yes. Bye. Bye. Happy Yule. Happy Yule. See you next year. See you at Hack.